Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are here as usual to look back on a hell of a weekend of rugby and to head to the final round of the Six Nations and we're brought to you this week by Sons. For those who haven't checked them out yet, they're a men's health brand helping guys with one of the key issues that they don't often talk about, it's how to keep their hair. They provide a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss via a monthly subscription direct to your door. They get results in 9 out of 10 men too and you can take the consultation in less than 2 minutes. So just visit sons.com at UK and use the code RugbyPod20 to get 20 quid off your first order. Talking about Sons, I saw Friday night, I thought I'm going to I'm gonna put my friend on television. Oh, good. Just going to watch him and, and just think of all the hardship that you've been through, Jim, in your life and how hanging you used to be as a bloke. Thank you, Sons. That's what I'm going to say because you look great on TV on Friday How night. good, mate? How good yeah. did my lid look? Thank you, Sons. I knew that I'd smashed it because as I walked out of the stadium, the steward looked at me and said, how, how do you do it? <laughs> and I didn't even reply because I knew what he was saying was, you're an awful rugby player. How are you? <laughs> how are you doing on TV? Big weekend though for you as well outside of that? Well, I mean, not really. It was a big week. I was up in Aviemore. I was in the Montens with the uh, Prodigy son. Is it Prodigy? Your, Prod- no, prodigal. good for me. No, it's not Prodigy. Prodigal. Oh, I got Prodigy in my head. Prodigy was good as well. How good was that song? Yo, yeah. No, good for me. I don't need no, no one, nobody. Don't need no one. That's not good for me. How good is that note? That, oh, that, yeah. yeah, anyway, it's uh, back to the singing. Uh, yeah, so I was up in Aviemore in the north of Scotland. Someone knew us or knew me and then knew us off the back of it. Up in the mountains, some guy's trying to get me to go in the local post office for a sausage roll. Gives me a wink. Love the podcast. Went in to get the social roll. Absolutely shocking, but he made like <laughs> But yeah, I was up in Aviemore, uh, mountain biking. It was lovely. Spent some time with JJ. There was no screaming with the twins. And then busy weekend, the Ruggers. Goody, how was your weekend, buddy? Uh, yeah, it's good, actually. I'm in the doghouse again, and I'll come to that in a second. But Saturday, obviously, it was great to be back working with people. So back up at the uh, the Andy Good suite at the Rico Arena for the final. How? how mate, how can, you, how can they have stuff on? And I'm not questioning the rules and the laws but you can host at the Andy Goose and I've seen it's a big old suite yeah. and you know there's appetite for people to go there which is great obviously a final X is doing the same they've obviously got people at the stadium uh, the, the corporate socially distanced wearing masks and stuff you can smell a fart through a mask but you can't catch COVID um, <laughs> and you can't be in the stadium I, I don't get it it's not me I'm not trying to no, it here, is. But, uh, it, you're right. It is. It is crazy, right? Because the crazy thing is, you can't go into the stadium. Two weeks ago, they did it as well. Um, I was on holiday in Cyprus, but they had uh, the suite with uh, tables of six because that's the the key number at the minute, isn't it? But previously, for the semi final, you could mix households, but they had to have all the blinds down in the Andy Good suite, so you couldn't see the pitch, and they weren't allowed to go out onto the field. Hang on, why? Why have they got the blinds down? Because you weren't allowed to have any interaction with the game. Um, so it was as if you were just in a restaurant. But on Saturday... Oh, oh my God. But they, they, these are the rules what? they're living by. But on Saturday, for the Premiership final, um, obviously Coventry went into Tier 2 of lockdown. And then you had to separate all the tables. And you could only sit on tables of six or less, but from people in your own household. So for me, it was a dream. I had a table for one. I didn't have to go and talk to anyone. <laughs> apart from when I was on stage but um yeah you had to socially distance uh you could come within your own household bubble up to a table of six all socially distance keep your mask on when you're 
stood up walking around to the toilet or to the stage but when you sat down apparently covid can't get you under four foot so when you sat down at the table you can take it off in any restaurant maybe that is a thing so genuinely i'm just gonna i will genuinely i will do everything i'll go back to normal i'll crawl around i'm happy to crawl on my hands and knees <laughs> just crawl <laughs> if you can't catch it down there but because i'm looking and genuinely i'm what i'm like how's that i mean i don't get it so that was saturday on sunday me and the missus, we thought we'll take the girls to one of those soft play centres, which are absolute why? carnage. What, what, they, why? Love they love it. They love it. They do love it. Mate, you can't catch COVID in there, can you? You can't. You can't. No. As long as you've got your mask on. And as long as the blinds are down. I, yeah. Knows. <laughs> or if you sat down and you... But if you, but if you stood up but, and you help out to eat out and... But don't eat out, but eat out. <laughs> but can you eat out or... Yeah, but take know. your mask <laughs> off and put it on. Right, right. Take your pants off, put them back on, put them over the top. <laughs> Put your mask on over your pants. Who knows? <laughs> Genuine. All these comedians, right? And may you never know. I might be a comedian one day. All these comedians have got so much material. Look, you don't look. If you don't laugh, you cry, don't you? That's what. That's what I'm saying. If you do not laugh, you cry. Yeah. Um, they have got so much material to work with. Anyway, going back to Sunday, so we've taken the girls to a soft play place near us that they absolutely love, and I'm in there, and the missus has bought a bag, and you have to sit at a table when you're not in the in the play area and she bought a bag she bought some snacks and stuff for the girls of course she had really good mum really well prepared and then after about 10 minutes I'm with Isabella and she goes daddy can I have a bar I say of course you can so we've got these flapjack bar things for kids in in my missus bag so we walk back to our table and I'm, I'm rummaging through the bag to try and find this bar and all I see at the bottom of Carolyn's bag and she'll kill me for saying this was it was a manscape. Oh, it was a, I, I it was thought we were going to say a manscape thing. Well, it, it was uh, it was a tampon that was in a, this bright green packet thing. So I tried to smoke it. Well, rather immaturely, I said to uh, I said to Isabella, I said, Isabella, take this up to mummy and say, can you have this sweetie, please? <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously in a packet, and it looks like it could be a sweet, right? Um, so she's walking around. And she's like, mummy, 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 can I have this sweetie? <laughs> And I just watched from 10 metres away, absolutely crying with laughter. Daddy smoke it, daddy smoke it. <laughs> the horror on my missus' face when she saw, and there were some other mums there, and they all know what the crack is, right? And they were like, oh, bloody kids. And Carolyn just looks at me, gives me the filthiest look I've ever had in my life. And Isabella just kept running off, waving it above her head. So Carolyn's trying to chase her around. And my missus said to me, she goes, why are you so bloody immature? What's wrong with you? And all I could think of, I said... I just blamed it on Jim. Mate, if, in if in doubt, blame someone else, right? Mate, absolutely right. And actually, as we're talking about our interactions with our wives and kids, so because the twins are at the age where they run off in different directions and we've got four, so normally in my mind now, so I, I'm quite a disciplinarian, which is crazy to think because I'm a bit of a joker, but I am, I, I'm quite you know, hard on my kids, probably not too hard, but I, I want them to be respectful and listen to what mum and dad say, right? But... I've done that with JJ and Phoebe. It's got to the stage now where I am literally not in control of the situation. And for the last two and a half, almost three years, in my mind, when something happens or one of the twins runs off or crawls off or screams, I just say, fuck it. Like, that's what I say in my head. <laughs> Apparently, at the weekend, I've said it out loud. <laughs> like, I've just said it. I've just said, oh, fuck it. Like, let them, let, let them, run, let them run off. And Bex looked at me and said, what did you say? And I just said, I want it. I want it. I want it bad. But she knew. She knew I was lying. I'm, I'm at my wit's end, I'll be honest, with the situation we find ourselves in. But there we go. But hey, there was ruggers on, and that was the main thing. Yeah, we got to the ruggers in the end. Uh, the Wasps ended up making it to the final. Goody, and you, you want to talk about some refereeing hammered. They got absolutely hammered. Away, don't you, they mate? got hammered at the weekend. Well, the first thing we'll say, 
congratulations to Exeter Chiefs. You know, what a performance over the season, both in Europe and the Premiership. Um, and they're fully justified as winners. But there is a but, and there's a big but. As a game, it was a horrible spectacle, wasn't it? The weather was horrific, and that dictated how the game was played. The big thing, though, Wayne Barnes was meant to be a referee. He's caught COVID. How is he? I hope he's okay. I'm really sure he is. Okay. I'm sure he is. And I really wish he hadn't caught COVID as well, because Craig Maxwell House Keys took over, and he did all right at times. I thought he, he was did. good. I thought yeah. he was wrong, mate. Stop. Don't be this guy that makes well, excuses. He did got, it, it would be... No, listen, Extra deserved the victory. As with the points then. On the balance of the game, they deserved the victory for scrum dominance, etc., etc., how the game was played. But the penalty that he gave against Jack Willis to put Exeter 16-13 up was never a penalty. Well, you said that to me on the phone. I've gone back and watched it today maybe four or five times. It's never a pen. He's got his hand on the ball. It's a 50-50. But the actual play, when you look back at it, it was a knock-on. It wasn't even his hand. So he's given a penalty against Jack Willis to go 16-13 up. When Jack Jack Willis had his hand on the ball the whole time. But Jack Knowles there at the same time, so it's a rook. So then you can't have your hands in the rook. But he's first man to the ball at the same Mm, time. Mate, I'd say it's If you're a Wasp fan, like you are, you're saying that. And look, look, for me, I would have loved to have seen it go into extra time. And I've watched it. Back And this isn't me trying to be divisive and trying to start a debate. Firstly, they shouldn't have been in that position. It's a penalty on top of a penalty, right? So we love Jack Willis. He's in the England squad. Great. But there needs to be a point where you're like, right, we've just given away a penalty. It's a 50-50 because Jack Noel is there and he is very good at the breakdown as well. Yeah, You're in front of the sticks and we've seen Jack and you're in a final. They're the things. And maybe that's the experience of the evolution. It was never a penalty, in my opinion. All right. But there you go. But then the second one, the worst one, and there's debate around whether this was a penalty or not. And Jim, this is your area of expertise. Eventually, Wasps get a penalty via Jack Willis, again. Kick it down. An unbelievable kick from Umanga to take the ball five metres out from the line out. They start driving the line out. And it's going slowly but surely towards the try line. Eventually, Jack Yandel gets his way through. And the penalty goes against him for collapsing the mall two metres out from the try line. Minimum requirement, that's a yellow card. And then you can question whether it's a penalty try. Would the try definitely have been scored? And I'm not one for saying it should have been a penalty try. I don't think it should have. It was the first time they were driving towards the line. Jack Yandel should have definitely, definitely, definitely got yellow carded because if you're given a penalty away for pulling down the mall three metres from the try line after it's gone forward seven metres, has to be a penalty and a yellow card. Because lo and behold, the next line out, and that was where, you know, got a feel for Ogre so much. You know, it's 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 a part of his game. He's worked really hard on it. Obviously, it slipped. The ball and the call were probably the wrong things to throw it to the back of the line out. But still, who was the guy that lifted Johnny Gray from behind to steal the line out? Jack Yandel. Should have been in the sim bin. Mate, I, I, genuinely, if, even if... Jack Yendo hadn't lifted him, mate. It might have hit Johnny Gray. Oh, I know. I know. I know. We can argue him to the blue in the face. Bottom line is, Exeter won it. Should we have taken the three points? You know, some people will say, yeah, you should definitely have done that. Hindsight. But then you sat there and you go, the way Wasps have played all year, they've just backed themselves. So they believed they were going to score from the line out. That's how they've got to a final. That's how they did it. Were they guaranteed Jimmy Gopeth getting the kick over? The, w- the wind was horrific. It was from the touchline. But there you go. There's my rant. Exeter deserved champions. I can't believe people haven't questioned it should have been a yellow card because it should. I'm going to say something that I think is completely ridiculous to some to some of the listeners and, and people maybe watching it as well. When there's no crowd, right, and there's no atmosphere and there's no buzz, I think that 
subconsciously with a referee will have an effect on some of the decisions. That's what yeah. I think. So I think if you think, right, from a WASP perspective, you've got 50,000 Kovskins in the stadium, 20,000, whatever. Tops off. Whatever, mate. Kick, you know, you kick to the corner. You've not taken the post. The buzz. You, can you imagine the noise in that stadium yeah. if it was full? You go in towards the line. The more comes down. And I just think that them emotional triggers for referees, and they say they're not influenced by the crowd or whatever. I'm telling you now, mate, If as a player, if you're influenced by the crowd and there's 15 of you or 30 of you and the benches or whatever, and there's one referee in the middle and the people are screaming and shouting, you can hear it, and you've got all the players on top of you as well, you influence. And I just think that decisions like that, and you could argue around the Jack Willis one as well, that, you know, well, why did he give that one then? But when we talk about it, when we look at it back, I think that I think if there was a crowd, it could have been different. But if he gave a yellow card, I wouldn't have flinched. I would have been like, well, yeah, fair enough. But the fact that he didn't give a yellow card, it didn't really bother me either. So it was one of them calls, like the Willis one, that could have went either way. But unfortunately for Wasps, it, it went against them both times. But really, without opening Ogre up, mate. It's a ho- horrible call. It's a horrible line-out call, I reckon. But, you know, at that level in a final, you've got to be able to hit it. Or yeah. at least nearly get there. It's a horrible call. I agree with you. Especially if they know that he's not an amazing thrower. Because he's a fantastic player. He made an unbelievable yeah. turnover in the mall. Um, and he's been brilliant for Wasps. And, you know, it's not his fault they've lost the game. Like, arguably, no, you felt, could say... felt for him really badly. I, I felt for him massively, mate. Because there's, there's a load of things that could happen in that. And on the flip side of that, I felt great for Johnny Gray. And these are the things in finals that happen, don't they? Like, you can make a winner and loser. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what it is. So... My point being, Wasp had an, had an opportunity to win that. They, they could have taken the points in hindsight would they have done that with the win with a world-class kicker like Gopeth, maybe. But my point of view, I thought fair play to Wasps. And you, you thought they were, you, you were going to win. I didn't think they could win. And mate, looking back on that, they are so much better than I thought. Thank you, James. Mate, every, just everything they've been through. Mate, Finally, the, the, Jim. Mate, I know, I know. And again, you know... It's been three years. You've been bagging them for three years. It just shows you what you can do if you get things right and, you you know, winning's a habit. I was at the hashtag always Edinburgh game last night, Sunday night. Losing's a habit. Well, you know, they won the Conference B last year. They got to a semi-final. Mate, they, they haven't won a game in five. So, from a Wasp perspective, unbelievable. And the week that they had in the lead-up, the preparation, the COVID stuff... Mate, you can only you can only tip your slipper to them. Goonie, what did you hear from the inside about the COVID build-up for Wasps? How tough was it for them? Yeah, it was really tough. Um, you know, there was a a day, I think it was Tuesday, they had the test done um, and then the results were coming out Wednesday morning. No one slept really. Lee Blackett, the coach, was up. I think the results came through about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And then they're thinking, oh, we'll look at the results, see how we go, and then we'll try and go back to sleep. But then the excitement of we're all clear you know the only players that were affected and it was it was actually quite important for the game because we lost Simon McIntyre loosehead prop first choice and Kieran Brooks tighter prop first choice who were part of the contact tracing from the other guys that had issues Brad Shields as well another one um none of them tested positive for it but they were affected because of the contact tracing so really so they they didn't even test it it was no I, I, they they were all negative as well yeah Oh man. So that's yeah, that's just really unfortunate. And that's the sad thing. You know, those guys have worked their nuts off. You know, you think Simon McIntyre's been at the club for 
a good 12 years, I'd say, uh, through some real tough times. Back in the day when they nearly got relegated, nearly went bust, all that stuff, and then he'd have started in the final. And they, you know, let's not beat around the bush. Exeter scrum was thoroughly dominant towards the end of the game, you know, and that was a big part of it. We were, you know, we were down to kind of our third choice props who were good props, good players, but at a final, the level that Exeter were, they bring the change front row and, you know, the two props are internationals, aren't they? So that, you know, that ends up being the difference. But listen, you know, there's no, nothing really to, apart from a couple of decisions from Maxwell Keys to moan about. Um, Exeter fully deserved champions. Um, Wasps were really unlucky, but what a phenomenal effort to get to that final and, you know, nearly pip it. Well, we can have a chat now with a man who's been there through it all with the Chiefs and who has bowed out as a player at the weekend as a premiership and European champion. Gareth Stenson joins us from his kids swimming. How are you, mate? Swimming, not the pub. Swimming, not the pub. Yeah, I'm all right. You can see I've got bags under my eyes a wee bit. It's been a big 36 hours. Uh, it's been amazing. Mate, you've still got your extra chief stash on, mate. I've got to go do uh, an interview on local uh, TV now, so I had to wear a little stash. I was hoping you were going to tell me you've been in the same stash for three days and you've not slept, and that's why you've got bags under your eyes, because you're absolutely steaming still. Well, I haven't uh, slept, so uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we've, uh, we've definitely enjoyed ourselves the last uh, last two days. Mate, I bet you have fully deserved. And obviously, look, it's it's kind of been building over the last few years, and a lot of people know your story and kind of how long it's taken yourself and the club to get where it's got to winning the double, mate. Um, in the way that you did was absolutely amazing. So congratulations. No one can you know deny you that. But for you personally, the celebrations were they as good as you? kind of expected and hoped for or was it a little bit weird with your family not being there and, and probably kind of mixed feelings or was it just absolutely buzzing the whole time? Yeah, no, it was um, it's difficult to see whenever you're at the game and uh, you don't have loved ones there whenever you come off the pitch and uh, you're going, everyone's going straight on the phone and they're FaceTime and, and all that sort of stuff. I actually FaceTime my wife and kids when I was uh, in the changing room uh, which is quite nice because they got to see the trophy and stuff like that. But again, like once we got home, um, it was great to be able to go home and see them, uh, have a few drinks with them in the morning. And uh, yeah, and then we just celebrated the rest of the group. We just all got together and we had a great time. Well, let's talk about the celebrations then because Exeter's renowned for sometimes doing a naked bus on the way home. I haven't seen any of the pictures, fully naked pictures on social media yet. Was it a naked bus all the way back to Exeter or was it pretty civilised? Uh there was a wee bit of, uh, you know, no clothes on at some point. So, uh, <laughs> it wasn't a whole way. A bit of a sing song on the way home and stuff. And yeah, it was a real, really good fun. It was real special. And where is Johnny Hill? Well, I know where he is. He's in England camp. But, mate, he's gone AWOL on us. He's... How he got there, I don't know. Dirty <laughs> <laughs> lift this morning, like. So, uh, fair play to them boys having to drive up today. I, I wasn't going to be ready to do that. Obviously, the game at Twickenham at the weekend, you've been a huge part. I just mentioned it about the journey. I've been in a similar position with Saracens being on the bench and only just getting on when the game was unlosable. Obviously, the way the game unfolded, we, uh, you, naturally, I think you would have been desperate to get on. How was that for you? How was that emotion of, of being there on the sidelines, but naturally wanting to get on, but not getting on, but then lifting the trophy and getting a medal around your neck? To be honest with you, yeah, I'd love to get on the field, but I was just so happy that we won the game because it was so tight. It was, it could, honestly, I thought it was going to go either way, especially whenever uh, Jacob hit that kick of the touch. Um, it, it wasn't looking good then. Um, so I was just sheer relief. I think the only thing that could have happened was if I had to come on and maybe miss the tackle or something and could see the crowd. <laughs> 
but it was hard. It was definitely hard to watch. And obviously, you know, we saw the emotion pour out of you at the end of the game. Um, it's the end of your playing career as the masses know it at the minute. Ultimately, you're moving into the coaching department now, which is really exciting. But are you still thinking you might don the boots a little bit if required, or is it fully that's your time done? Um, I haven't really thought about it. I think the time is done. You know, we'd have to be really, really scraping the barrel for me to have to come back out and play again. But hey, you never say never. But um, I think now, just the way I feel physically, the end that I've had, like I can't, you can't ask for a better end. And this, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I've achieved. And um, like I said, I can, I can definitely go into retirement and very happy man. So if Cornish Pirates offered you ten grand a week to go and play there, you wouldn't do it. I don't think I could. Uh, keep up with them to be fair so um, <laughs> I've put too much into it there over the last over the last few weeks so yeah yeah absolutely mate and you know there's been a change of guard naturally as life goes and as professional sports goes and you know Joe Simmons has transitioned into that tension unbelievably well you know you've pushed each other really hard as he comes at the start of his career, 23 years old, it's ridiculous actually when you think about how old you know th- these kids are now that are playing at the highest level. The headline stuff today is around him and Sam not not being in the the 36 man England squad. You know, what are your thoughts on that? I suppose you can speak probably more candidly about them missing out and and why you think that that might have, might have been. Because look, you know, winning the double, playing 10 in Joe's instance at the age of 23, mate, there ain't many stories of that about. You know, why do you think he's been overlooked? I really don't know. Honestly, the kid, he, it, the improvement we've seen in him over the last year or so, like he's driving those guys. He's, he's driving around British Nash Lions, you know, around the pitch. He's winning doubles. He doesn't miss kicks at goal. It just it beggars belief a wee bit, you know, uh, if I'm being honest, I don't understand why. Or even uh, Sam's not in the squad either. You know, guys who perform every week at the top level consistently with the club. Um, and that's all you can ask them to do. And when they're doing that, that's the only chance they have of getting in. So I'm hopeful that um, they get the opportunity at some point. I know Sam's done it, but for me, Joe is somebody who's going to push extra chiefs on. And yesterday was just the start of him hopefully winning a few more big trophies with the club. And Stina, what do you think is next for Exeter? Because you've been on a journey, unbelievable journey, to win the double from where you've come from, from the championship. It's almost, a, well, it is a fairy tale. You know, there's talk of, could a film be made out of this? But, you know, that, that's the Hollywood style part of it, which everyone would love to see. But, you know, what, what's next? What's, what's the evolution? Is it go and do it again? Is it about, you know, bringing the academy through? Is it getting more guys playing for, for, for England internationally? We saw Tony Rowe came out in the media and said that actually it becomes more difficult when lads go on to play for England. You blood players at Exeter to play for Exeter. So what is the evolution? What's next? And I, I know I, I don't want to piss on the fire whilst you're still enjoying. No, look, I, all those things you've just said, I think that's what it's about. It's about establishing ourselves now. We've obviously achieved something incredible, um, but there's no reason why we can't keep doing it. There's no reason why we have to sit still now. That's the one thing I've loved about being the Chiefs is the club, everyone about the place is about evolving. It's not about sitting still. And we're always trying to push our game forward no matter what way it is. So um, hopefully all those things you've just said, we can keep doing it. Just a bit of a dynasty for us. There's obviously going to be a certain stage where um, some guys will probably move on from the club. And it'll be about bringing the next crew through, and that's what it's going to be about. And then just looking at your role moving forward now, you've you've had three days on the the absolute hose, celebrating back to back Premiership um, and European winners' medals, etc. 
And it's great to see. What does it look like now for you? Obviously, there's a short turnaround into next season. Pre-season will start in a few weeks' time. As a coach, are you going to be someone that still wants to train with the lads or are you going to be someone that, like myself, doesn't bother and puts on about four stone? Six, six. <laughs> no, look, so we've got a couple of weeks off now. Um, I think the coaching staff go in two days before the lads, so that'll be an interesting day. I've got to go and try and find a, a, a desk or a chair to sit at or whatever, so I might try and push Julian Salvi out of his. Um, but, um, yeah, it's um, it's exciting. I'm excited about the, my next step, um, and... Hopefully, I can be part of big days again in a different capacity. And then lastly, before you go, Steena, how's the bar? I know I'm, you know, tough times, but how's it going? What does the future look like for that in the situation that we find ourselves in? I mean, clearly, it would have been amazing to have a, you know, again, you talk about a fairy tale ending for yourself to be able to win the double and the celebrations, be back at the bar. I mean, how does the future look like for that? Um, it's okay at the minute. It's, it's like I think it's tough times that we're in, but yeah, we're going all right. You know. Um, Obviously, what's happened around here with uh, a lot of uni kids getting it, um, we had them in at the start, they're coming back again. So um, it's tough times, but we've got a good group of people in there working really hard to keep the pace going. And with rugby coming on, all the Six Nations games coming up and everything, you know, we're as full as we can be at about 50% capacity. It is tough, but it's the world we're living at the minute. And I'm very lucky that I get a lot of support from people down around here as well. So. Um, people want to come out and have a drink in there and hopefully if I can get the Heineken Cup in there and the Premiership Trophy in there maybe a few more people come in you'll have to come down though boys and there's no black current in the Guinness though Judy so oh there is I'll bring, I'll bring my own mate I'll bring my own <laughs> you can't have it in there so, uh, but you boys love to come down and uh, we'll have a few pints on well yeah, absolutely Sina. we know you can close the blinds now and literally if you're crawling around if you sat down you don't need to wear a mask or you stood up you do need to wear a mask just close the blinds and you can crack on a pint. who knows who knows <laughs> Cheers, Steno. Keep training, mate. Don't put four stone on. Six. It's not worth them. Six. Well, I'll try not to, but right again, it's going to take there, you know. The problem is, I don't have a reason not to have it now. So. Uh, exactly. Cheers, mate. Top man. Cheers, guys. Top, Top bloke. Yeah, mate. He's a he's a proper boy, isn't he? I haven't played against him. And that you'd, all those Exeter boys are all good lads, aren't they? But Steno, you know, he's come through, he got them promoted 10 years ago. He's retired now as European and Premiership champion. And he loves the smash. So uh, what a bloke. And we, we asked the question there where he was on the sideline, obviously as a replacement and never got on. And we joke about it. I got on for a minute and a half in the final and it was because the game was unlosable. I was watching that unfold for Exeter, wondering whether or not he'd get on. You kind of know that he probably won't get on because the game's so tight. But thinking, it doesn't matter if he doesn't get on. In my opinion... He has been that good for Exeter and given so much to the cause and shown so much loyalty that he doesn't even need to get on, in my opinion. No. And that's kind of how highly I see that guy and what he's done for Exeter. And he's a good bloke. He's a rugby man. And uh, he looks like he's aged by 20 years in three days. Did you see him? <laughs> <laughs> the, the millions well, of you he, couldn't see him. He said he hasn't been to sleep, pal. And fair my play, word. mate. Those Exeter boys love a drink as well. And that's part of their culture, isn't it? You know, that's why they're so tight. You know, you make bigger and more special bonds on the, when you are drinking with your teammates, especially when you're winning. And the stories that come out of that stuff is is great. And he looks like he's had about 50 pints of Guinness in three days and about 50 cigarettes as well, bless him. Let's turn our attention to international rugby now. And it was chaos around England v Barbarians game at the weekend, wasn't it? With the big game being cancelled in the end. Uh, so what do you guys make of that and also the players involved? Well, you said one word there, chaos. Mate, 
what the actual fook, <laughs> mate. What the hell, mate? I don't even know what to say. It's, um, you know, personally, I mean, I'm not really bothered. You know, personally, it doesn't really affect me. But for the wider game and the situation we all find ourselves in, madness. They've taken the piss, haven't they? Mate, uh, yeah. It's mad. You know what? Some of them are my mates as well. So, you know, there's some things you can't do, right? And however you look at it, what they did, you can't do. And they've done it. You know, have they broken the law? Yes, they have. Yeah, unfortunately, they have. I think the big thing around it is, you know, the bar bars there and they all knew, every player knew the parameters of what they couldn't, couldn't do because they were in a COVID secure bubble. And that what they all signed up for, they were told every day. And this, my sources that are pretty close to things say that they were told every day what they can and can't do. And it's the it's the bigger picture of what's been affected here. So it's not just those boys, oh, you can't go to the pub and have a few beers because there was 4,000 beers in the team room that they could have had. You know, they could have done what they did in the pub, in the team room. But they all knew every day they were reminded you cannot leave the hotel without permission and a security guard understanding and knowing why you're going, where you're going for. And apparently they were told that they had... The only time they could go out of the hotel, except for training, because they had two socially distanced buses, I think, to take them to training. So, you know, they weren't overcrowded on the bus. That was the only time they were allowed kind of out of the hotel. They were given 30 minutes each day to be escorted to a cafe in Hyde Park where they could get grab a coffee and walk back so they could get some fresh air. But I think that the most disappointing thing is, obviously it came out on the Wednesday that they'd we're out for dinner and, you know, going to the pub. And people look at that and go, ah, it's not a problem, is it? It ain't a problem that they've gone to the pub and gone for dinner and all this stuff. But Tuesday afternoon, and I'll bring you in on this, Jim. Tuesday afternoon, they all went to the pub and had a rake of beers. Now, you've seen the video that's been going around. They all knew that they couldn't leave the bubble of the hotel. They also, uh, supposedly, and people have, have come and said all this over Twitter, it's a criminal offence that they're being looked at now because of what they did the rules were clear that you can't be in a pub you know in a group of more than six uh that's not a business meeting when you're mixing households as well so you know there's a whole lot whole load of things being looked at there but the wider picture of it is they a load of them apparently came out to the hotel and just denied it all just denied everything denied deny reaccused, mate yeah and i know you tweeted that jim denied it all. and that that's i think what's you know, there's a massive investigation going on now around the RFU, and I think that they'll come down pretty hard on them because it's not just about the game for the RFU. It's not just about that one game where they've lost a million quid, supposedly, TV and sponsorship, etc. It's it's more so. Let's go back to something that we talked about the other week. That Matt Ratana, the police officer that was murdered, they were dedicating that game to him. Barbas had special socks made, you know, in memory of him and things like that. And then you oh, look for around, fuck's sake. yeah, and you just look around. A lot of the stuff around the clubs up and down the country and what everyone's going through, the sacrifice that everyone's going through, and they just want to go for a load of beers when knowing full well they were told every day they can't do that. Um, so I think it's a disrespect thing. But also, and we'll bring your mate in here, I've talked him up for a few weeks, Jim. Oh, Swino. I would never been... have done that, <laughs> mate. <laughs> but, he, but he's been playing well, right? And then, doesn't he do a rugby hang on, pass? Hang on, mate. He got carried over the line <laughs> in one game. That's yeah, it. Yeah, all right. Okay. And then, and then all of a sudden gets called up to be a barber. Under who? Under who? Under Stern Vern. His dad. His dad. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? So, he did, didn't he do an interview with Rugby Pass on Wednesday saying... Oh, yeah, he we, did, yeah. We yeah, just did. Stay, we just, yeah. It's different this year. We just stay in the hotel. We're playing pool. We're having I gave him hotel. that platform. I gave him the platform to be able to showcase being at the Barbarians... 
I'm a two-time barbarian, believe it or not. Mate, give him the platform. It's your, this is your forum to outlay honesty and integrity and show the values of what rugby is. And he's just, it's just bare-faced lies, right? Lay it bare. Lay it bare. It's it's bare-faced lies, wasn't it? Because he said that they all stay in the hotel. Next thing you know, they've been out the day before to a pub in in Mayfair and on the the blinds. Maybe the blinds were down, mate. (laughs) Maybe they were down. Maybe he was on his hands and knees crawling around, mate. Who knows? We don't know the details. I, I think the hard thing is there's a lot of them that lied about it until they got found out with CCTV. And then they were a little bit remorseful. What what the most frustrating thing is, it's literally like they took the piss and said, we'll do what we want. We don't care about the COVID rules. And I don't think when you're in a position of privilege, that's great. Swinnow's lied about it on rugbypass.com with his interview saying they all stay in the hotel, yet he's caught He's out. a liar and, and a appara- manipulator. Appara- apparently, the thing with Swinnow, that he's he wants to train to be a barrister, doesn't he? I don't reckon you can lie on oath then, son. Well, well maybe, uh, mate, hang maybe, on. Maybe, maybe mate, you can. Barristers and politicians, mate, that's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a great look for the game. You, know, you think about all the pubs up and down the country that were you know, wanting the game to go ahead so they could get some revenue through, and, and rugby clubs up and down the country, get some revenue through the bar. It's just a respect thing, just you know, out and out gone, isn't it? A big part of my heart is with the Barbarians. Two-time tourists, great people. There was question marks over the Barbarians in recent years whether they still have a standing in the game with the way that they go about business. They absolutely do. We did a documentary with Rugby Pass with them last year where Warren Gatlin was there. It was phenomenal, went down really well. So there's that part of it. And then the other part of it is, is what now? Obviously, Chris Robshaw the fine gentleman standing in the game of rugby that he is, is off to America. Richard Wigglesworth, is he going to get a club now off the back of this? Is he going to get banned by the RFU? Is this going to happen in the disciplinary? Saracens, right? What's going to happen with Saracens? So they're going to go into the championship. The Saracens players that were involved are meant to be frontline players next year in the championship. Who, who are these guys? What do you mean? Who are the players that you're naming and shaming? Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm just. I'm saying, like, it's the Saracens players involved, isn't there? So yeah, who 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 were they? I'm not naming and shaming people, mate. It's oh, out there okay. in the public domain. I don't need to name <laughs> and shame, mate. It's out there in the public domain. But Swinnow was well amongst it. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, we, gosh, we, we shouldn't yeah. laugh, but you're enjoying the fact that Swinnow's lied and been caught with his pants mate, down. Mate, right? it was just. It was. It was laughable. Like there was a part of it again. Like you don't want to make light of the situation, but if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Mate, a game of rugby has been canned. There was talk of Crosdale um, making his debut, the Saracens' fullback winger, making your debut to play for England against the Barbarians at Twickenham and now he can't play you know the Fijian players that have been brought into the squad what do they do now like they're going to be barbarians what what do they do now you know the whole thing around the bloody bubbles and put the blinds down and wear a mask don't wear a mask we're going to pay you to eat out but don't eat out you can eat out you can't eat out so where are they going to go now I mean uh, uh, you know the contact tracing is it's just admin on top of admin as well as the game as well as you know what the where the proceeds of the game were going to go to and it's embarrassing Eddie Jones has named a 36-man squad for the autumn now that the Premiership final is out of the way. So what do you guys make of it so far? Yeah, I mean, every squad that Eddie picks, there's going to be players that we all jump on the bandwagon and say, he should be playing, he should be picked, he should be in. And there's obvious ones, isn't there? Look at Exeter. The Simmons boys, we talked about it earlier, ridiculously good. Sam Simmons. Would you you have Joe Simmons in ahead of Jacob Umanga? Well, this is the thing that I don't quite understand, right, with Eddie Jones. He's always just literally had Ford and Farrell as the two tens, right? 
There's never been anyone else. Like Cipriani had a little look a couple of years ago, but then since then, it's always been those two boys, which I get. And I understand they're Eddie's boys. He picks them. Now George Ford has got an Achilles problem. He ain't in the squad, right? He ain't in this week. So you've got Farrell, who's not played any rugby for for a while. And when he has played for England, he's played 12. And then you've picked Jacob Umunga, who Jacob's a really good young player. Um, and you saw his try in the final at the weekend. You know, outstanding bit of skill, brilliant footwork, skinned Stuart Hogg, British Ly- and Irish Lions fullback. Well, I wouldn't say he skinned him. He went past him. Uh, he absolutely rinsed him. Pulled his pants down <laughs> mate, as well. He went and past and, him and, just. And, mate, and Hoggy was still pissed from the week before and he still got man. He still played well. Um, but here's the thing. You've got Joe Simmons, who has captained, we heard, we heard from Steno, he has captained Exeter to a double and he's a leader and he's playing ridiculously well why haven't you got all three of them in there do you know what I mean why have you got three you know you've got three scrum halves you've got Ben Youngs Dan Robson and Willie Hines yet you've only got two fly halves of which Owen Farrell's won the skipper and you've got Jacob Munger who's got no caps get them both in the squad without doubt Eddie is influenced by the media in terms of not want not wanting to jump on the bandwagon. You could almost see Willis not getting in, but obviously there's some players that it's impossible not to pick and he has got to that point. Matt, I think Simmons is brilliant, but I'm watching the game at the weekend. Again, you can't judge anything, can you, because of the weather. So you, there's nothing in it when you're watching the two tens. And But you're in a better position in terms of, is Umanga better than Joe Simmons in terms of who's going to be in that position? But I'm the same as you. I thought he would have put all three in. You've got a kid in... Joe Simmons, who's captaining, and I can't say it enough, he's captained the team that have won the double. And he plays like an international 10. Yeah. He's safe as houses. He's got an unbelievable kicking game. Goal, he's goal kicking. He's, I think he's kicked about 33 on the spin now in, in terms but, of goal kicks. But he does that week in, week out at the very yeah. highest level, and he's 23 years old. Not that Jacob doesn't do that, but he's almost, not like Cipriani, but he's a little bit looser. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like like Freddie Burns, like that style kind of player, which is great yeah. to watch. Finn Russell. Whereas with England, you're thinking the way that South Africa beat them in that final is actually going forward. You know, you, you you'd want to attend like Joe, or at least have him in the squad. I suppose the other thing is, and why I questioned it a little bit, was because Farrell's played twelve a lot, hasn't he, with Ford at ten, and now we've got no Manu as well. Manu's out, and you've you've lost your ten in George Ford, who's out injured, and you're 13 in Manu, who's out injured. So you've got to have new guys in there anyway. You know, Does he go Farrell at 10, Slade and Jonathan Joseph in the centres, uh, and then have Jacob on the bench? Because ultimately, you've got to have another 10 on the bench, and Jacob's the only other 10 in the squad. So it's a big shock that Joe Simmons didn't get picked, and a big shock that Sam Simmons didn't get picked as well. The interesting one for me, and the reason why he ain't come on the podcast, is Johnny Hill. I reckon he knows... He knows he's in. He, he's in, mate. I think he's in. That's why he's not come on. But he, he ain't keen to talk about Bush before he plays the test match, which which is beyond me. Bizarre. He was. He was. A few, a few he, weeks was ago he was mad was. keen. <laughs> he's gone all serious. Mate, you can't take you seriously with that beard. Do you reckon his beard's going to go if he gets picked for England? It'd have to. You can't be singing the anthem with that. <laughs> Nine unkept players in the squad. Were you surprised at how fresh the squad looks? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, a lot of those players really deserve their opportunity. But also you look at, and there's an evolution of the squad perhaps, and especially this tournament, which, you know, if we're being really honest, how much does this tournament mean in terms of the autumn? Yes, we go to Italy and we've got to win the game and get a bonus point to try and win the Six Nations. But it's actually a reasonably good opportunity for Eddie to, you know, change a few people in the squad and give some of the youngsters an opportunity um, that deserve it. And 
you know, there are a number of players within that. Nine and cap players. Ollie Lawrence, really excited. I was, I was, mate, Alf, Alfin is that. We were sat with his old man at that yeah. dinner in Worcester and he was like, oh, yeah. my son's going to be amazing. We're like, all right, mate, yeah. Well, I knew his son because he went to the same school as me, Bromsgrove. Well, the, the, you know, but you get that a lot, don't you? Like people talking up their kids or whatever. And then yeah. you were like, mate, you need to look out for this kid. He's actually being genuine. Like his son's pretty good. Mate, now look. Yeah. He knew. His dad knew, mate. He did. Really good player. But it'd be interesting to see if he gets a sniff in the centres. I think he might. But then you've got to drop one of Slade or Jonathan Joseph to for Lawrence to start. I think you've got Lawrence and um, Slade. So, yeah, I mean, listen, there's a lot of young players that he's picked. Some cases through needs must because there's other injuries. And some cases, you know, Jack Willis, you pick him every day. Of the week. If you were naming a British and Irish Lawrence squad now, you pick Jack Willis in it, don't you? Let's hope he gets his opportunity for England. How good was it to see our Celtic correspondent, John Cooney, being brought back into the Ireland squad? For now. Mate, it was only a matter of time, surely. It's one of those, and we spoke to Cooney about it. He was obviously disappointed, you know, the, the ups and downs of rugby. But anyone that's watched him play for Ulster over the last few weeks, he's played really well. Speaking of Ireland, it was a routine enough win for them over Italy at the weekend. But we thought we'd get the inside track on what the Irish public made of the performance and what Ireland's chances are of winning the Six Nations title this weekend. By speaking to former Ireland and British and Irish Lions back rower Stephen Ferris, how are you, mate? Not too bad, not too bad at all, thank you. Friend of the show, Stevie, tell us what's been happening then, what you've been up to today. Um, I don't want to state the obvious, I don't want to state the obvious, but you are slightly thinner on top than <laughs> you were last year when we spoke to you. <laughs> but that brings me on to the arms. So where, my point what, that I was getting is that your arms are looking big. Have you been doing the triceps in the gym? Uh, yeah, not, not too bad. Not too oh, bad. mate, put them away. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're all going to be thinner on top, uh, but that's, I think that's just down to COVID nineteen. That's what I'm blaming anyway. Like, well, I will say though, Stevie, and I need to ask you about lockdown because the sunbed shops must be still open. You're looking pretty tanned as well. Are you, you been on the sunbeds or? <laughs> I haven't been on the sunbeds, Goody. No, um, it's just the good old Belfast weather, isn't it? Oh, that rain! Yeah, that rain makes you go orange, right? Yeah, it's just, I think it's windblown, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, Stevie, let's get straight into it, mate. We need to ask a hard question because we've got a new Celtic correspondent that comes on the pod. I don't think he, well, he, he might come on again. He's back in the Ireland squad. Mate, what the hell? What the flippity flip has happened to John Cooney, mate? What do you mean? He's, he's been going all right, has he not? Yeah, yes, yeah, that's what I mean. But he's, like, one minute he's going to be captain of the British and Irish Lions stores. Me and Goody are going there as his mates. <laughs> and next thing he's been completely lobbed out of the Irish squad. What's happened? Yeah, it's a, certainly it's a strange one. I think with all the Ulster supporters, I suppose Connacht and Leinster supporters as well, like it was a, a bit of a mystery. You know, why was he left out of that squad? Yes, he had a small blip in form, but geez, if you haven't played rugby for over six months or whatever uh, many weeks it was, like of course it's going to take you a while to get up and running again. And um, there was rumour that he had a small Achilles niggle as well, um, which was holding him back from practicing his kicking and everything else, but. For me personally, I think if Dan McFarlane hadn't have dropped him for um, that game where Albie Matthewson came in, I think he probably would have been in the squad. Um, and I think he, he, he sh- he's been showing his true worth over the last number of weeks because he's been back to his best. Um, and, and that's brilliant to see. Well, it is great. And he is back in the squad this week. Um, obviously, there's a bit of a tight hamstring um, for Jameson Gibson Park, who's a Kiwi, right? <laughs> Irish. He's Irish, mate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, again, like I seen Brian O'Driscoll during the week, and he's talking about who's got the best pass. You know, Conor Murray's got the best pass. Dennis James, Jameson Gibson Park, Dennis uh, Marmion, and he was kind of listening through. And I'm like, 
I'm not sure if you get selected in an Irish team just because of how good a pass that you've got. You know, yeah. I think I think John Cooney's got so much more to so many more strengths to his bow than than just a good pass. Um, Connor Murray went off the boil for not six months without playing any rugby, but for like twelve months while playing rugby, and he still managed to hold his place. I think something within the RFU is that, as as you lads know, there's a lot of guys who are in there who are on national contracts who are being paid by the RFU, being paid half a million by the RFU, and you will not see any of those lads not being selected in the squad. Now, they may not be selected in the Mad State 23, but they're always going to be in that squad. So, um, yeah, it's been difficult for John Cooney. I felt sorry for him when he was left out, um, but he showed his pedigree once again by the rugby that he's played over the last few weeks. And what do you make of the game at the weekend, Stevie, against Italy? I don't want to be horrible to Italy, but comfortable for Ireland. Uh, probably a, a good a good thing for them that they got Italy at first for their first game back after the the break. What do you make of the performance and then going into this weekend's game? Yeah, Jim, I think you can't look too much into it. Um, when was the last time Italy won a Six Nations game? Well, you'll probably know this, Jim. It was against Scotland. Was it? 26 games ago. Oh, yeah, my so, word. Like, they haven't won a, a, a game in the Six Nations, as Goody says, for 26 games. And that was against, it was against Scotland. And it was 22-19. It was close, mate. It was close. Jim was vice-captain. <laughs> Jim, it was in Scotland. It wasn't in Italy. <laughs> oh, my word. Mate, it was close. <laughs> yeah, but Italy have only won nine of their last 40 games. Like, you know, I think um, Ireland at the weekend, the points handicap with the bookies was 28 points. Like, Ireland were always going to smash that. I think Italy are in a, in a world of pain of where they're at. Um, I put on Twitter the, the other day after the match that I thought, Italian rugby is in a bad place and there is no room for people coming in these five-year plans and international rugby as you lads know it's about winning the next game and if you lose the next game you lose another one after that all of a sudden you're a target and you're going to get replaced I I think Italy have just got to find a way over the next year or two to, to scrape a couple of wins try and get a bit of confidence and you know Bleeding young players against Ireland away from home um, at out half and getting spanked by 50 points. And all they do is kick the leather off the ball back to Ireland. Like that was a game where I would have loved to play because it was just so easy for Ireland. And I think to see where Ireland are currently, this weekend will be a, a much better marker. One of the things we'll talk about from the game at the weekend uh, is Hugo Keenan because he scored one try in 20 games for Leinster. Now he's got two already for Ireland in his first game. So how good was he and how much more of the production line is there from young players like him to come from Ireland that perhaps people don't know about? Should have been a hat-trick. <laughs> yeah, it should have been a hat-trick. I don't know why. Like I, I thought it was a half-decent bit of play, the, the small the small block. I think it was Laronzini, who was the guy that got blocked. He didn't wave his hands in the air to say, look, at the penalty. So, but it was reviewed and it was taken back. Hugo Keenan, he's got pace to burn. He's a sevens player. Um, he seems to have a really good engine as well. Um, didn't see too much of his kicking game, but yeah, Jacob Stockdale and him seem to work reasonably well together. And yeah, we'll see a lot more of him, I'm sure, over over the next number of months. Andrew Conway, I was, it was like, you know, we've all been talking about Andrew Conway and how good he's been, but sometimes games, the ball just doesn't come to you and, he sort of didn't get much possession. But yeah, the future looks bright, as always, for Ireland in the back three. And the back row as well. Will Connors has been brilliant for, for Leinster, chop tackling machine. Hey, Dan Levy was back for Leinster at the weekend as well. How good was that? But 
do you reckon he can get back in? Or, I mean, Ireland's just covered across the back row, really, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Like, Josh van der Fleer, you know, it's, it's hard to believe that, you know, he was starting for Ireland now. Will Connors is in. You have Scott Penny that played uh, for Leinster as well the other night. Jack Conan to come back. Uh, yeah, it's just a conveyor of talent. You have, you know, a half a million pound player and Peter Omani sitting on the bench. And yes, you know, Sonny Bill Omani give that brilliant off. Ridiculous. Like, I could, I could. <laughs> man, that's <laughs> half a million pounds. That is, mate. <laughs> it was class. Um, and people ask me about Peter and, and you know, oh, is he on his way out? Is he over the hill? Like, he was only on a like, only captain of the Lions like a couple of years ago in the first test against New Zealand. I think he's still got a major part to play in this Irish squad. Um, going forward, especially over the next couple of years. But yeah, just so much talent there. Will Connors is exceptional, a real chop tackler, a bit like Dan Lydiot, maybe. Um, you know, back in what was that, 2011 World Cup, just that chop tackle was really effective. So yeah, he, he's a he's a really aggressive player. He seems a bit, you know, he reads the game well too. He's quite smart. Um, and yeah, even I was down covering the game, uh, the Lancer versus Zebra game. It was, um, you know, a complete walkover. And again, the back row were magnificent. So, yeah, it's looking good there. And where's Big Dev, mate? Where's Dev Toner? What's happened? Mate, Dev Toner won his 250th cap appearance, sorry, 250th appearance for Leinster on, on Friday night. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's still turning it out. No bother. He was out 50 minutes, cameo, 40 points up. Away he went. So, yeah, he's still turning it out, mate. That's all I want to hear. That's I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy now. <laughs> Stevie. I'm not looking for headlines here, but you might be. You might give us one. What's going to happen, or when do you think Johnny Sexton will move aside? I'm not saying that he has to, but I'm just thinking. Why are you being horrible to Sexton Man, I'm not, again, Jim? I'm not being horrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking. You're always though, being horrible to Sexton, my mate from the pool in Portugal. Leave him alone, mate. Mate, he's he's been unbelievable, but at some point he can't keep going until he's 45, can he? So who's the next ten in line? Do you think? Well, you see, Jim, I, I think I probably disagree with you. I think he he thinks that he can go until he's 45. Yeah, you know, I I think that he is um, he's such a competitor. Like I, I he come up through under 19s, under 21s with we with me. Like we were touring Argentina in the under 21 World Cup. You know, is he loose or not? Is he loose or not? <laughs> he was. He was with me. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, and like you know, we we were playing against Ruben Pinar, who's playing for South Africa under 21s at that stage, and um, like he was behind Gareth Steenson at certain times as well and then all of a sudden he just flourished and he always had the confidence and belief in himself and I think once that goes if he doesn't believe in himself once that goes and I think that'll be the time that he hangs up the boots but at the minute he certainly believes that he can go out there and do a job he's the captain of Ireland um, he's leading by example he had a pretty good game at the weekend missed one uh, one kick a goal so yeah and who's going to fill those boots big boots to fill and let's talk about this weekend's game then Stevie Uh, ultimately Ireland know that if they get a bonus point victory they win the Six Nations Um, I think they've only ever scored four tries in Paris once and that was in defeat Uh, how do you think they're going to approach the game are they going to be thinking bonus point victory or are they going to be thinking let's just try and win the game because ultimately they'll actually know come kickoff what is required from a points perspective in terms of the points difference to win the championship as well you know, the way France play, the way Racing play, chips in behind. I think they'll try and turn uh, this Irish team a bit as well. I just think it's a game that Ireland need to go over there and roll their sleeves up. They're not the biggest side. You know, tag burn in the, in, in the, in the second row. Um, James Ryan, he's a big unit, but you wouldn't say he's 120 kg lock that runs around uh, Basham boys. 
I think when you're missing Tag Furlong as well in the front row, you've got Porter there, who's a great backup to come on. So if they win that battle up front, then they'll certainly give themselves give themselves a chance. Of course, we say that in every match, but uh, they've been to Paris, they've won in Paris, uh, but getting four tries and, and getting a bonus point is, is certainly going to be a, a hard thing to do. Stevie, fast forward, mate, because we might not speak to you before then, but I'm sure we will. But if Cooney comes back, we might not. Um, the Lions tour, mate, if it goes ahead, right, in uh, South Africa, anyone you think, any outside bets or anyone you think from this Ireland squad who's a dead sir, a dead starter as it stands if their form carries on? Um, geez, I haven't really thought that far ahead yet, Jim. Um, like, I always love to see somebody who isn't capped, possibly, you know, come back to that tradition of bringing somebody who isn't capped. Jack Willis, uh, obviously watched a good bit of him over the last few weeks, so he's been he's been unbelievable. Mate, he cost what's the fine? No, I can't say that. Jim, mate, that's fucking horrible, that's, mate. That's it was, that was Craig Maxwell Keys with a shocking decision, mate. I'm ju- it was, it's got nothing to do with him, mate. We've got him, mate. We, we, we're going to get Jack Willis on this Lions tour, mate. And I, you've absolutely, I've stitched him. I'm sorry. There we go. Stevie, are you heading out for the Lions tour? Are you going to join us on the Rugby Pod tour? Well, we'll, we'll see. I need to get the invite first, lads. I could be your personal trainer. No, you need to get your lid back. You need to get your lid back before you come with us, mate. Get on some suns. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, Stevie. Thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, boys. Thanks as always. Cheers, Stevie. Top man. Thanks, Stevie. Top, top lad. Bloke. Top bloke, isn't he? <laughs> <He's a top. laughs> he is, though, isn't he? He hey, is, look mate, at him. Yeah. What about the fucking size of his arms now? Mate, I tell you what, hey, mate, his arms would be... But, uh, mate, how, how small has, has Ed got now? He's got no hair. <laughs> his hair's gone or going. His teeth have gone white. He's getting his teeth whitened as well. He's had his teeth done, but his shoulders and his arms, fuck me, they are massive. Yeah, so that's, sh- why his, that's why his head looks a bit smaller as well. Maybe. Mate, it's a Johnny Hill thing, mate. You put on too much weight, mate. Your head shrinks. Mine's got bigger, though. What's the, what does that mean? Well, mate, I think genuinely I'd, you've got inflammation problems. <laughs> so, mate, great having Stevie on. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's a, leg- a leg- legend of a bloke and he's very good in the media um, and knows his shit. And a couple more international warm-up games ahead of the Six Nations round and the Autumn Nations Cup to talk about. Uh, Jim, you were at Murrayfield for Scotland v Georgia, the big one. Mate, the big one. Mate, the big one, yeah. Mate, did you see it? It's massive. Yeah, uh, I, I watched you on TV and then I turned it off. I ain't going to lie. All I'm saying is driving all and Finn got on and made his 50th cap. There you go, mate. It's as simple as that. There weren't a lot else, really. But, mate, you know them Georgians haven't played, most of them ain't played since February or something. That's the first hit out. So you're thinking Scotland going to win comfortably. Duan van der Merwe, who's been carving it for Edinburgh, he started on the wing, scored a decent try. They actually dealt with him quite well, to be fair. Ollie Kebble as well. Big, massive Glasgow, loose head, dyes his hair blonde or white, whatever. Mate, hey, look, there's no point talking too much about that game. They've got Wales this week. I genuinely think this ain't me being stupid now. Do I or not? No, don't, <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> I genuinely think I'm not being... Yeah. Oh, maybe not. Maybe I've Scotland's just thought about Wales. No chance. Interlethley, it's not, it's not at the Cardiff Stadium. It's not at the Principality. There's no fans... And I think Wales are under massive pressure now. Massive pressure where there's no pressure on Scotland. You smash Georgia, you smash France, you smashed Italy. Mate, there's a good chance we'll win on the weekend. How good? How good? Mate, what's happened to Wales? Yeah, they didn't go too well in Paris, did they? They got hosed a bit, to be fair. Their defence was all over the shop and, you know, that's what happens. Sean Edwards leaves, your defence becomes more porous and then actually France, um, their defence was phenomenal, which isn't normally what you expect from a French team but hey yes Wales are 
a bit of an enigma at the minute, aren't they? You know, some parts of the game were really good. Other parts of it, it was literally like there was 15 lads chucked together from a, you know, a park team in Wales playing at the Stade de France against a French team that are... Basically, if you've got Vakatara in the team and you've got Dupont, you're winning most of your games. Those two were ridiculous. Mate, we said, didn't we, France could be proper good, eh? Later, well, they are proper good, but as in they could become the number one team. Well, Budgie Smuggler are on board with us again this week and we've had loads of weird stuff come in about the limited edition rugby pod Budgies for the weirdest has to go to Bonobo Jack on Twitter who overheard some fella down at the pub saying his cows struggle to swim because they can't close their anus so they fill up with water and eventually drown if they're not careful. That's quite weird, isn't it, boys? Is that legit or not, though? I just think that's stupid. That ain't even weird, mate. That's stupid. Anyone well, who thinks that, their anus fills up with water so they drown. And what, what pub's he gone to? Is it a COVID-secure pub or what's happening there? Where is he in the world? Oh, the blind's down. That's, the, the the, that's all down, we need mate. to know. If the blinds are down, boys, it's game on. Mate, all right. Well, that, that's good to know, mate. Put your mask on, eat out, help out. What? Well, don't go out, but go out. What? Get involved and keep sending us the weirdest thing you've seen this week. Just tweet us or send us the weirdest thing you've seen or heard, whether it's on social media, in the news, or from your local pub, and tag us and at Budgie Smuggler, and you will be in with a chance of winning a pair of Budgie Smugglers. And check out their website as well, because they've got loads of masks, hoodies, shirts, and jumpers for sale in their winter range. Just head to budgiesmuggleruk.com if you're interested in those. We'll get on to the final round of the Six Nations in just a second, but first of all, we have an offer from our friends over at Lovell Rugby. They're very excited to announce the new British and Irish Lions shirt and training gear will be launching on Level Rugby tomorrow at 9am. And if you use the code RUGBYPOD15, you'll be able to get 15% off on that and that'll be cheaper than anywhere else on the market. So just go to levelsports.com and use the code RUGBYPOD15 to get 15% off. Do you think if I buy that stuff, I'm going to look too desperate or not? Or do you think think I can pull it off? Mate, just save it and then in three months time just post a picture on social going I've just got sent this through from the British and Irish Lions with my contract from before you're saying there's a chance there you (laughs) go (laughs) mate I'm going to do it well there's a ton of international rugby coming up in the months ahead and the Guinness Pint Predictor from Match Pint is back which means you can prove that you know more than Jim and Goody about rugby and more importantly win a free pint every weekend this autumn by predicting the results how things going in the rugby pod league guys statistically the number don't sound great but in terms of the rugby pod, it is great. I'm 380th, and I look further down, and I've got to go way down. Goody, what, what's wrong with you? Well, mate, let's just talk about this weekend just gone. No, mate, I, no, no, no. It doesn't matter about this weekend. I, I predicted Ireland to win by 40, and you ridiculed me. And then if it wasn't for bloody old Paolo Garbisi... Paolo Nadini, or whatever his name is. I mean... He scores the try with the last play of the game, and it was a forty point. It was fifty points to ten at the time. An exact result for me. I said forty points to Maybe Ireland, you, and, and then he scores a try. Happen? Scores a try the last play of the game. It's a thirty-three pointer. So anyway, I beat you this week. So, any, so, so where are you then? So where are you in the league in the rugby? I'm below. League? I'm below you because I had some fat fingers and I said that France would beat Scotland. That's why I'm below you. Two thousand six hundred eighty-ninth. Just FYI, MIO. I'm, I must be above that now. Shocking. Should we get your predictions on what's going to happen this weekend then, boys? Yeah, let's. I just told you one earlier. Scotland, mate, going to beat Wales. By how much? Oh, I don't know. Mate, you're asking me. Um, too much detail. I'm going to say by eight. Really? I, I, Scott, I'm going to put it in the match point predictor, mate. That, that's how genuinely I believe in myself and my boys. Scotland by eight. 
Okay. You know, Wales okay. going to have that up in the shades room wall, you know, because they're going to put that up. Former yeah. Scotland uh, great I'm, I'm, Jim I'm, Hamilton. I'm back in Wales. I'm back in Wales. Why? A couple of things, really. What, what, One, off, off, the, off the back of what? A couple of things. Basically, they have been absolutely garbage, so they're going to have an absolute rollicking this week from Wayne Pivak. Um, when everyone's going against you, like people are, people are, people are called for Wayne Pivak's head already. I'm like, come on, boys. He's only just taken over. In a year when they played a couple of games, then had about six months off, and then they're back again, and they got hosed by France. So, for that reason, and the fact that Alan Wynne-Jones will be breaking the world record for the most number of caps ever, taking over from the legendary Richie McCaw, or is he Sir Richie McCaw now? I don't know which one he is. So, for those two reasons, I am going Wales by seven. Italy v England. Oh, should be should be close. England by 50. Oh, oh. oh. Uh Yeah. England by 45. France v Ireland. France by 12. Really? Yeah. Uh, I want to back Ireland, I think. Ireland by three. Really? Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, congratulations to Ed Ralph, who's leading the way in the Rugby Pod League at the moment. We're going to be playing this right the way through to December for the upcoming international games. That's 19 games to predict and 19 chances to win a free pint. Don't worry if you weren't playing back in the spring. You can still join and win yourself free pints every weekend. To play, just download the Match Pint app from all good app stores and predict the winner and margin of each game. Give it a go and make sure you join our league by using the code RugbyPod as well. Right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly, which is brought to you this week by a Monaco gin company called La Distillery de Monaco. If you love your gin and want to try something different or you want to get a bottle as a gift for someone, go and check them out at distillerydemonaco.com or just Google Monaco Gin and you'll find them as the top result. They're offering free shipping on all orders for our listeners. Just use the code RugbyPod as well. They've sent us a bottle and it's awesome stuff, so go and check them out. Uh, the good, uh, lots of good again this weekend. Uh, we'll start off in France, actually. Why not? Why not start on France again? Their national team, the French national team, dominated Wales in Paris, beating them 38-21, but mainly down to Vakatawa and Dupont. They were absolutely ridiculous. And i tell you what, we'll stay in France for a couple of other goods. They don't win the good, but they get a mention. Lyon, they won 16-7 at Toulouse in the top 14, away from home. Hell of a win from them. And also Racing, who bounced back from the bitter disappointment of losing the Champions Cup final the week before to win the Paris Derby away at Stade Francais 27-25 with a penalty with the last kick of the game. So some big spuds there to win that one. Um, We'll go up to Scotland, Jim. Where? Just Finn. He's back. Finn is back. He's back in the Scotland setup and fair play. He's got his 50th cap at the weekend. That's great news for everyone around the game. Let's move over to Ireland for a mention of the good. And the national team dominating Italy, 50 points to 17. Uh, the last play took away my 40-point prediction for the Guinness match point predictor, which is pretty disappointing, but it was a pretty sharp performance from them. Hugo Keenan, two tries on debut. And the main news coming out of Ireland this week is that Cooney, John Cooney is back in the Ireland squad. For a bit. So that's really good news. So let's hope he stays there. We'll stay in Ireland as well. It wasn't in Ireland. It was actually in Scotland. And Connacht, Jim. The game that you commentated on. What a game that was. They get a tip of the slipper this week in the good. They won 37-26 at Always Edinburgh. So a big win for them. But none of that gets the good this week. There's only one place it can go. What? We saw, we saw Steno's eyes earlier in the 
on a Zoom call. We saw the state of him. They have been celebrating hard for three days, solid. So the goo this week can only go to one place, Jim. Wasps. No, it's, it's not wasps. It's not wasps. But they do get a mention. You'll listen to me in a minute and you'll understand why they do get a mention. But Exeter are going to get the goo this week. Obviously, they are now double champions. They won the Heineken Champions Cup last weekend. They won the Gallagher Premiership Final this weekend. They are double champions. And they join an illustrious list of legitimate double champions winners in Leicester Tigers and Wasps. And Saracens. Well, no, Saracens didn't count because they cheated. No, no. No, they do count. We'll put them on the side. Legitimate winners of the double were Leicester Tigers, Wasps, and now Exeter Chiefs. A massive effort from the whole club. You saw Steno. It made it genuinely. He looked like he was fifty-three. Yeah, he did. Um, so tip of the slipper to everyone down at Exeter. A cracking club. Uh, they've done some wonderful things this year, and they've got some unbelievable players. So the good this week has to go to the Exeter Chiefs. Chief, 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 Chief. The bad. Um, we'll start off in Scotland. Why? What now? Well, hashtag always Edinburgh, Jim. Your team. Mate, missing played 14 three, players. Mate, played 14 three, lost players. three, Jim. Bottom of the fucking conference. How are you? But it's got nothing to do with me, mate. I'm just there commentating, <laughs> mate. <laughs> yeah, not a great performance by them. Losing at home to Connacht. Um, we'll stay in the Pro 14. The Guinness Pro 14. And Zebra got their pants absolutely pulled down. 63 points to eight to Leinster schools. I wonder what it would look like if you pulled Zebra's pants down. What would be down there? Imagine the skids. Mate, Imagine it would be skids, the skids. mate. It'd be a fifth leg, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty bang average from them. Uh, what else was bad? We'll stay in Italy. And their national team, that's 26 defeats in a row in the Six Nations. The last team they beat was Jim Scotland. Jim was vice-captain. Um, so not good from them. What else deserves a mention the bad? Craig... Maxwell House Keys decisions. No. Two decisions, not having them. That was pretty bad from Maxwell Keys. Yandel should have been yellow carded if it's a penalty, and Jack Willis's penalty was never a pen, but there we go. Um, some other bad news injuries. Some serious injuries happened this weekend. Mm. Gary Ringpiece at Ring Rose. Did he sh- did his shoulder, was it? Jaw. Was it oh, it was his jaw. Gary Ringpiece, I mean, Ring Rose, has done his jaw. Poor bloke, looked absolutely painful. He's been playing so well as well. He has, yeah. Jack Knoll as well. He's out the Autumn Internationals. He's lost about 150 grand because of that, because of his toe. But played through the pain barrier in the final. Fair play to him. Luke Cowan, sicky. What's he's he doing? Uh, well, he's just sick, isn't he? <laughs> mate, he's probably... <laughs> mate, he is. He is. He's a sick unit. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, those boys are out of the Internationals. So they've probably lost about 150 grand in match fees over the next few weeks. Uh, but that doesn't get the bad. It doesn't get the bad at all. There's only one place to go for the bad this week, Jim. Where? And it has to be the players. I'm not no, just, give it to Swin- just give it to Swinnow. It's Chris Robshaw and Swinson and friends. <laughs> Those boys breaking the COVID secure bubble, getting on the smash in the pub on the Tuesday and the Wednesday, causing the game to be cancelled. The ramifications of that are widespread around the game. There's an RFU investigation. It's not a good look for the game. We've got our hands out asking the government to give us money to keep the game afloat. And then you've got Robshaw and co and Swinson leading the charge in a pub in Mayfair, breaking the law. It's just not good. It's just not cricket, is it? We talk rugby, but that ain't cricket. Cricket's crap, mate. So the bad this week goes to Chris Robshaw and co, especially Tim Swinson. Swinner, Swinner. Uh, the ugly. Um, only two bits of ugly I could find this weekend, really. Uh, firstly, we mentioned it last week. It's still there. Johnny Hill's beard, absolutely shocking again <laughs> in the Prem final. Really ugly, but he doesn't win the ugly this week. We mentioned him. The ugly this week has to go to Bernard LaRue for his double forearm to the face of Alan Wynne-Jones. Should have been a red card. I think the TMO was having a cigarette out the back. He, he just missed it. He's like, oh, mate, you no, don't no, touch no. the king, mate. 
Mate, yeah. you don't touch the king. Do not mess with Alan Jones. Uh, should have been a red card. Probably wouldn't have changed the game, to be fair. But Bernard LaRue, that's pretty ugly. Thanks, Gordon. You guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, we have. Yeah, a sad one. Hopefully turns into a positive. It's a big shout-out to Ryan, who's 15. He's just been diagnosed with a brain tumour. His mum's friend put it on Twitter, and it's gone viral. He's a big rugby fan, apparently, so... Here at the Rugby Pod, we just wanted to give you a big shout-out and wish you a massive good luck for the weeks ahead. Yeah, big shout-out to Ryan and a huge shout-out to the History Boys RFC up in your neck of the woods, Jim, at the University of Edinburgh. You heard of them? Of course I have, mate. I, 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 mate Beyonce, mate, of Edinburgh. That's what Billy Vanapol used to call me. Yeah, there we go. Uh, they've had to pause training because of the restrictions up in Edinburgh. Uh, but they're about to embark on a mammoth month of fundraising with Loose Heads, who are an amazing charity, as we all know. They're attempting to run, cycle and walk 2,675 kilometres over the next three weeks, which is the distance from the Scotsman Steps in Edinburgh to the Scotsman's Bar in Malta. I mean, I'd rather be in Malta than Edinburgh, but there we go. Uh, that's one of their favourite tour destinations and the reason for them doing it. It's all to raise awareness and funds for the Tackle the Stigma Mental Health campaign. So just Google History Boys GoFundMe if you want to find out more. But that is some effort, lads. Go and make some history, lads. Get it? Yes, Jim. Yeah, see what I've done, yeah. Uh, another good luck. Another person doing amazing things. Hendo. He's aiming to do four marathon distances on four different bits of gym kit. Do you know what gym kit is, Goody? So you got like the bike. I was at, mate, I was at, the, I was at the gym this morning. I was at the yeah, gym this morning yeah, on the bike. Ar- archive footage. Sweating my tits off. Anyway, he's looking to do um, four distances on four different bits of gym kit. Uh, he's aiming to do it in all around 12 hours. He's doing it to raise money for the RFU Injured Players Foundation after a mate of his suffered a rugby injury and is now in a wheelchair. So a massive good luck to him and just check out his Just Giving page, which is justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Andrew slash Henderson 4x4 if you would like to donate. Hendo, big shout out to you, mate. Yeah, good luck, Hendo. And one final shout out to a few of the Glasgow Uni Medics RFC. Look at me being a friend of Scotland today. Mate, you are, mate. Hey, who would have thought? I'm not a friend of Nicola Sturgeon. But anyway, the Glasgow Uni Medics, they're running from Scotstoun Stadium to Murrayfield in a day, which is the distance of 100 kilometres along the canal. They're calling it the Tash Dash, and they're doing it for November. So a massive good luck to them all as well. Big Jim said he'll run 25 of those kilometres with you. Give him a shout. At Jim Hamilton 4 on Twitter, I'm sure he would love to get involved with the Glasgow Uni Medics RFC, wouldn't you, Jim? Cheers for that, Goody. Mate, I'm keen for November, mate. I'm actually thinking about doing it. Hell of a tash, but it's important. And there's a lot of good people out there doing good things, Goody. So should we. There certainly are. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Leave us a review and check us out on YouTube as well. Rugby pod! How good? Pod, pod, pod. That was good, mate.